because like clients. Uh, oh God. <laughs> we're, still work, we're still working on it. We're still working out the kinks. Yep. Uh, I did. I did make sure to get my glass of wine. So Absolutely. That, yep. Set up with the most but, important uh, part. Yeah, no clients have wanted to zoom and then um, like friends or whatever. So I'm all yeah. good. So you don't listen to podcasts. No, and I know other designers have been like, um, there's one called, I think, The Business of Design or something. And there's been a couple that are like, you have to listen to it. And I'm like, who's got time to listen to it? I, I do just, it while I work. You know what, though? Like business podcasts aside, I just listen to like, I, lo- I love reality TV. So I listen to recaps. That's what I listen to while I'm working because then I don't have to like pay attention totally. to it. And I listen to just like true crime stuff. It's just really, it's just or in the car would be work. a good time. hundred yeah. percent in the car yeah. or while I'm cleaning. Yes, it's absolutely. Like the greatest thing ever. I feel like I could work it into my life. Um, you know, I've had some friends tell me about it. Like I say, I'm pretty behind when it comes to technology. I'm like a 105 year old woman. And then Adrian, one of the designers on my team, she tries to keep me fresh. She's like, you know, she hooks it up for me. So, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll get her to get me going on that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's like changed my life. I'm so obsessed with podcasts. I just I've heard I don't that listen from a lot of people. Like I alone. listen to podcasts. What? I said you're not alone. I've heard that from many people. Oh my god, I'm just so freaking obsessed. All right, guys, I'm here today with Michelle Berwick from Michelle Berwick Design. How's it going? I'm great. How are you? Good. I'm excited because I've more recently, when I first started my podcast, I wasn't getting that many local people. Yeah. And I think it was because I was me, I, I was inviting people I would talk be like in like Facebook groups too. So it was easier to ask them and they kind of knew who I was or whatever. So sure. I've only recently started talking to more local people and I'm really pumped about it. Where, where are you based again? So I, my office is in Sharon, out of my home currently, um, which is, I know nobody from the city knows where Sharon is. It's five minutes north of Newmarket. Okay. I was like, it's Sharon. The country. Know <laughs> I know everyone has the same blank look. They're I was like, like, I feel like I should. <laughs> no, no. It's okay, good. cool. And yeah. do you work out of your home office or do you have an outside office? So yeah, currently we're working out of the home office in the summer. I have a, like, so I've lived in the country, so everyone has a pool and we have a cabana back there. So we were working out of the cabana, tough conditions in the summer. And then in the winter, we've moved down to the basement. So I think we'll be ready, you know, within the year to move out. We just want to be more efficient. We need a boardroom. We need um, storage. Um, We need a more efficient system when ordering. So all, all of that can be done when we have a bigger space. So it's on the radar for sure. It's kind of not a, the worst thing that it hasn't happened yet, given what's happening right now. I know. I actually was just talking to someone about that today, that I was like, thank God we haven't already moved out. Because if I had that overhead of, you know, the lease payment and, and everything else, I, I'd, be, I'd be nervous right now. Yeah. Especially like if it was a newer thing too, you know, like where maybe you just started this year and then you're like, oh my God. Well, it's okay. Well, let's talk about that actually. Like what's happening for your business right now with Corona? Like, are you still progressing with projects as is as much as you can from home? Are you doing more virtual stuff? Like what's that looking like for you? You know what? I had like, I had a bunch of, because we book consultations usually like a month in advance. So everything was already scheduled. So when this happened, we just kind of canceled everything in person. Um, and those people we put on a wait list, we did offer them like a discounted rate to do it virtually. Um, oh, really? Between you and I, no one has gone for it yet. They're like, well, can you really see the paint colors through FaceTime? I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Like, yeah. I'm sure I can. Not really, I not as well. But that's why you're getting a discounted rate. <laughs> right. So, um, so that we did it that way for consultations, things like that. We had two or three, three big projects on the go that we're still allowed to work on because um, they were like whatever residential construction. Most of them are outdoors still, like they're still being framed in um, and they can just do one trade at a time. So that's how the guys are working. And I'm still going to site, um, you know, typically at the end of the day when it's just the one GC, we stand six to eight feet apart, whatever. Um, so those jobs are still going. And um, anything we had lined up to go was you know, that people are living at home, we put on holds. So those are still on holds. Um, but I've been able to get a lot of um, design work that I'm able to do from home for like spec builds for builders. Um, they want to furnish all of these models. They're getting ready for June, July to release them. And we've been able to do that from home. So that's been amazing. That's so wicked. Okay. So yeah. 
What tell us? Okay, we were just chatting before we officially started recording about like you started this six years ago, similar to me, where you had not worked in a firm, you're self-taught. Tell yeah. tell everybody about your backstory and like what were you doing before this? And how did you get here? <laughs> yeah, so um I I guess I, you know, I went to university at um York University for business, and um as I was in university. My sister worked at a car dealership and got me a job at like reception um, at this car dealership. And then I kind of, they were, they were joking around like, who, who else will pay you to do your homework and write your essays? And I was like, yeah, like it was easy breezy. And so when I graduated university, they offered me another job right outside of university. So I took that and then another, they kept kind of promoting me. And so I found myself at like 25 making a ton of money working at a car dealership, but I was just like, I've sold my soul to the devil. Like, this is just not for me. I just can't do it anymore. And um, I got pregnant with, uh, yeah, during the meantime, I got married and I got pregnant with my daughter. And then when I was on maternity leave with her, I was again, just like needing something to fill my soul. So I started this design blog and then it just kind of grew from there. Like I, um, I actually did decided I'm going to do four uh, friends' houses for free, like one room yep. um, in each house. And then I took pictures of it and put it on the blog and whatever. And it just grew from there. Then people started, like, that I didn't know started asking me to do it. And it got to the point where I had to go back to maternity leave, uh, from maternity leave. And I was doing both jobs. And I was like, this is insane. Like, I can't keep this up. Um, but I found out I was going the day before I went back to work that I was pregnant with my son. So I was like, okay, I'll go back for the, whatever, eight more months. And then, um, while I was, um, pregnant with my son, someone reached out to me from like a a Facebook mom group or something. Um, and was like, oh, I have this project in the city. It's going to be like one room at a time. We finished a big reno, but we need it decorated. Like, are you interested? So I was like, sure. So I went and looked at that and they hired me and, um, so that was supposed to be like over the, the year of maternity leave, I was going to do one, one room at a time. And then their house flooded during the ice storm oh my God. in, uh, December. Yeah. She was at the hospital having a baby and they're like three floors, of their house flooded. And so the house had to be like gutted to the studs and redone. And so she was kind of like, can you take this on? And I was like, sure. <laughs> you know? Had you ever done a reno before? Nothing like that. Like small oh, man, stuff. Balls. Yeah. So I had said to her at the time, I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not formally trained in like kitchen and bath. I was like, I can pick all the finishes. I can help with layout. But I was like, I'm going to need another designer to help me with that. I, I just wouldn't be comfortable like gambling with your money at that point. Um, so she said, okay, you know what? The contractor's aunt is also a designer. She's like, we're not really keen on her aesthetic, but she could do the drawings. You could consult on them and you guys could do it together. So I was like, great. So that was like my first big project. I had it professionally photographed. I was able to create a website um, using those photos. So um, yeah, that's what kind of kicked everything off and it just kind of spiraled from there. And is that the, um, am I wrong? Is the ice storm like five years ago ice storm? Yeah, it may have even been six. It was like, yeah, I think it was. Yes, it would be six because I've been six. My son's six. Yeah. Got it. And now I gauge it because when we bought our house, the ice storm had just happened and it will be six yeah. years in um, November. So, okay. The, when you said, started doing your friend's houses, you said like you're yeah. doing a room, were you doing it because you just were like, this is great blog content or were you like strategically going like, I'm going to start building my portfolio so I can do this as a business? Um, I think, I think in the back of my mind, I, I thought I would, might like to do this as a business, but I was kind of um, on the fence because I was like, oh, I have this like, very predictable income and it's a very good income for someone in their twenties. Um, and so to leave that to like, to make, what if no one hires me, you know what I mean? So I, it was in the back of my mind, but I, I had to kind of like build that confidence to, to kind of take that leap. And it's hard, it's hard to go from one to the other because there's going to be several years where you're, you're not at that same income, right? Like you have to yeah. build that business. So it's, it's a bit of a leap. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was the first year like then? So you do this, this lady's house and then you're like, okay, well, I guess, you know, you said it started kind of there. Can you think back to the first year where, well, when do you give the, okay, I'm not coming back guys. Like, right. So I, I gave the, I'm not coming back. I don't know how old was my son. Maybe he was like nine or 10 months. Like I gave them a couple months time or whatever the time was that they had to, they kind of called me and was like, are you coming back? Um, 
Yeah. So, and then during that time, like I just kind of discussed with my husband and he's like, listen, like if you can make, if you can work two days a week and make enough income to pay for daycare, well, that's a start, you know? So that's kind of where we started and I couldn't afford to do anyone to pay anyone to do my installs. So he would do my installs for me on the weekends. And because we had two little kids, it felt like a date, you know, like we got out of the house and we were like hanging drapes and having fun. So that's how we kind of started out, right? Oh, that's amazing. What a yeah. great husband. That's so Yeah, he's very, very supportive. That is so awesome. So, okay, uh, thinking back to your first years, like what was it like getting clients at that point? Was it pretty much um, pretty quickly or? Yeah, I feel like, you know, it, it felt quickly to me, even though, you know, if I look at what the volume I'm doing now, that compared to back then it was like next to nothing right but at the time every job was a gift to me I was like sure let's do this oh you want me to work with existing for sure like let's you know and I started developing e-designs years ago like before they came really popular and and that kind of took off and um yeah I just I feel like I would just take on anything and everything and just try to impress them as much as I could and learn from each experience and just try to keep getting better and better so that's uh, yeah so what, what, how are you pricing early on? Like how many times have you changed the way you oh gosh, price your a million. services? Like I think about <laughs> it when I priced back then and I'm like, this is hilarious. I think I like used to charge $50 an hour for a consultation and like then it, the next year it was 75. And then um, I was still charging really, really low until I want to say how many years ago was that? Maybe it was three years ago. And I, I hired... I had a photographer that, you know, she had just started out and I had just started out and I, I guess I, I felt like I'd kind of outgrown it, the relationship a little bit. And so I hired my first like fancy photographer and he shot that project. It was a really special project for me. And he, he blank asked me what I charged and he's like, you're half. He's like, you are half what everybody else in Toronto is pricing. I said, yeah, but I'm, it's just me. I don't have a, um, an office, a fancy showroom, you know, he's like, but your product's the same. He's like, you're yeah. a fool. Yeah. And so what a gift that was. It really was. And I've used it every, ever since for every shoot. Um, and it, it was a gift. I was, it was like a slap in the face he's like, the, the end product is the same. And I'm like, yeah. it's like, or better. And I was like, yeah. okay. So, you know, that's when I really kind of made the jump. And again, that's a scary jump too, because you're like, what if people are like, oh, you're just so overpriced, you know? Yeah. Um, but people were paying it. No one questioned it. So. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, let's, uh, you went to business school, you said, right? You went to school for business. Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel like what you, some of the things you learned in, in school helped you at all? And like, what, what might some of that be? Um. <laughs> Not a whole lot. I mean, the business in university is like fundamentals, right? Okay. It's like theories and like Adam Smith's invisible hand of the market. So yes, is it nice to have that kind of higher form of learning and understanding like economies and things like that? Yes, that's lovely. Did it have um, day-to-day practical experience of my individual business? No, it didn't. I learned that through um, a huge part of my learning the business was through contractors. Um, I always made very close relationships and special relationships with the contractors in the trades because I knew they were key to my business and key to bringing those ideas to life. And um, that relationship had to be kind of a yin and yang to sell us to clients. Because if I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, if I couldn't bring the contractor in, if I couldn't work with their their contractor, it's just not a nice experience for them overall. Right. So Mm -hmm. I knew that that was important. And um, like I say, I just, I read, every article I could, I, I studied Pinterest and house and read every magazine. And I just, you know, stu- I just, I guess studied that way, but <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Did, okay. So did you start, like, I know you, your first project was like, you did the gut for the client who had the flood, but did you yeah. instantly from there continue to just do more renovations, a lot more renovations than decoration only? Um, it was, both at that point, I, I, from that job, got direct referrals for other large-scale renovations like hers because I was able to show them that and she was able to, uh, like, refer friends to me and, and kind of, um, yeah, like, for lack of a better word, talk me up, like, saying that, yeah, yeah, she could handle this and whatever. So that's what kind of started. But, no, for a long time, I did just decor and somehow it spiraled into a lot more construction. Um, and I, I still like both. I still yeah. will take on jobs that are just 
decor and styling. Um, and I'll take on big construction jobs. I like, I like all ends of it. Right. And okay. So you fairly early on then started trying to work with the same contractor on a regular basis. Is that safe to say Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, I would say like, so I did my own house, um, about five years ago and I worked with a contractor there. Um, and he was great. And then I had kind of interviewed one or two others and for whatever reason, I, the, the relationship grew more with a contractor that didn't do my house. Um, and I think it was, yeah, yeah. Because I I see your work and I noticed that they're tagged in a lot of it. So I was thinking like, you obviously must work together quite often. Also, my friend I was talking about said that I wish I had, okay, my contractor was great, but I talked to them after we did our reno and they said how amazing Hartley was. Oh, really? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's funny. Um, So I've actually known Reed since high school. Um, We had all like, he's one year older than me, but we had all mutual friends. So all my guys, my guy friends played on his hockey team and whatever. So I've known him forever. Um, But we just really were in sync. I think we're very um, different people, very like opposite people. So what he doesn't see, I see and what I don't see, he sees and we kind of balance each other out. Yeah. And, okay, so what might be like a suggestion? But how did you guys like nurture that relationship early on if you hadn't worked together? Like, I get my guess. My question is kind of like for someone like me who maybe I keep hearing that working with like a builder or contractor is a really great way to keep the business like continued business and clients. Mm-hmm. And whatnot. So I'm curious, like, if you have any advice for how to nurture a relationship like that or. Like it must have been scary to work with them for the first time, not knowing because they didn't do your house. Like any advice on that front? Yeah. So uh, the girls and I joke around that we call it grilling a man's soul. So we, we honestly go deep in terms of like getting to know someone and how they will react in situations. Because I always say doing a renovation is like a big you, right? So you start at the top, everyone's high. Everyone's like, oh my God, I want all the things. I want the gold. I want this. And then it's like numbers start rolling in and you start taking apart walls and surprises come up. And then it's like, they're deep in the gully. They're out of money. They're spending more than they want. Um, they're stressed. They're probably not living in their house. They're coming to their house and they've spent all this money and there's all they're seeing is like construction. They don't get it. And in the gully, I find that a lot, a lot of clients will start to finger point. And so they'll say what well, the designer did this, but the contractor did that because they're stressed and they're scared and they don't, they need the guidance. And so I always say, I'm like, I need someone that is going to be, you know, a united front with me in the gully because that's the true test. And it's like, yes. it's very easy to just be like, oh, that was Reed's fault or that yep. was Michelle's fault. It, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. We both fix it together. Nobody points fingers nobody it just doesn't serve anyone well right so yeah, it's um, not a good look it's not a good look and yeah. and the clients as much, I always say it's like it's like kids turning the parents against each other as much as like it might feel like you get your way at the time nobody wants their parents to be divorced that's mm-hmm. not a, a thing you know yeah. so you've got to really you've got to really build those relationships and, and build trust and it's hard because you know you don't know who you can trust sometimes and you you, you could get screwed you know it's happened to me and you, and, and so, you like, obviously you worked with other contractors and I, and I sure, I assume you work with more than one con- like contractor yes. now, but you have maybe one that's like the main one. And if it was up to you, you'd work with them maybe more often, but you've had some bad apples along the way where you learn the hard way and then you just don't work with them again. Yes. Yes. And no. Like I have, I have five that I work with regularly now um, because it gets to a point where the bigger construction jobs where it's you know a big addition or a full house build it's like okay well if I toss Reed on that he's now consumed for six to seven months now he could take on smaller things in between a little bathroom here maybe a basement in between um, but really the bulk of his time is now taken for six to seven months so you need multiple if you want to be doing multiple jobs um, you know, to distribute the work. What I found was I, when I had only him, I would overload him. And of course he would say, I, that's no problem. I can take it on. I can take it on. Cause he doesn't want me to bring someone else in cause I'm his gravy train. Yeah. But you have to be really careful with that because you, you have to be the one to say, no, you are overloaded. I can tell because it took you four weeks to get me a quote. Yes. Um, and then, and then bring someone else on, right? Like grill another man's soul. I'm so proud to have Ultralux Linens as a sponsor of the pod. 
I was already proud to have this amazing company as a podcast sponsor, but over the last few weeks, I guess months, I don't know, who can know anymore? We've all been dealing with such a massive, massive worldwide pandemic. And Many, many vendors, many suppliers uh, are doing their part to really give back and to help support the frontline workers and Ultralux Linens. I reached out to Jacqueline, who is the owner of Ultralux Linens, at the end of March to get um, a fabric quote or yeah, fabric quotes and to get a quote for some drapery just for, you know, not to move forward with it now, but for when we're ready to move forward, when all this settles down, whenever that will be. (laughs) And I wasn't sure if they were still doing work. And she, she replied saying, um, you know, bear with me. We're just trying to uh, participate in, I guess, the Michael Guerin hospital initiative. And it's basically a thousand mask a week initiative that they are a part of. And they're working with Maxwell fabrics, uh, for, uh, fabric donations, and they've been spending all their days sorting and packing at the end of the month, at the end of March anyways, they were spending their days like sorting and packing up scrap fabrics and donating it to home seamstresses who are also going to be a part of the Thousand Mass a Week initiative. And the other day she posted a photo on her Instagram saying how such a great start it had been uh, to the initiative. They were able to produce a thousand per week of washable cotton masks with a filter pocket. Do I know what a filter pocket is? No, but I'm going to, that sounds good. That sounds super helpful to our frontline workers. And that makes me so happy and proud to not only have Ultralux as a podcast sponsor, but also to be able to working, be working with her um, as my workroom and where I source my fabric. So I want to give a massive shout out to Jacqueline and her team, all the amazing home seamstresses who are also participating in this. So I'll tell you what, guys, they don't only have a massive showroom, they've got massive hearts. Oh yeah, I wrote that myself. Uh, but seriously, guys, uh, please, please do me a favor. Go find them on Instagram, Ultralux Linens. Maybe give them a little love. They're all, they're still doing all this, plus helping support their designers. So if you need anything from them, you can go to ultraluxlinens.com and you can shoot them an email and she'll be more than happy to help you. There you go. I'm curious, your experience with contractors, do you find that there's a level of training with what you expect quality-wise that you're like, they've done and you're like... Oh, hell no. You're going to need to redo that. And then they get to know, you know, and they tighten up and they get better and better over time because that was one thing I I assume, again, I've never worked with a contractor long enough to know that this is true, but I'm like, Oh, like, for example, my contractor, I mean, they're young, the guys that helped us with our house, not this room. So don't look at this room, but I like your fabric samples in the back. (laughs) I I I have the same. Yeah, it's a disaster in here right now. We didn't do upstairs really, but um, but I but then I was thinking to myself, like, what's interesting is like, I would assume a trades is only going to get better the longer they're you know doing the work. Um, but also, there's a level of like you get in like simpatico where you're like, okay, uh, that is not like maybe that's acceptable work to you, but it's not to me. And then you tell them like you're going to need to redo it, and they start to then get better and they tighten it up yes. or do you, okay. So you do have, yes, that. absolutely. Like I, I, I'm very active on the job site and I've heard that from a lot of contractors I've worked with. They're like, Oh, I normally like when I work with a designer, they hand the design plan. I'm like, see you later. Like, that's it. I'm like, I no, I'm popping in once a week. Like I am like, Oh, Hey guys, I've got coffee. Like, you yeah. know, let's, and I'm, and I'm snooping around. So you'd expect that I'll be there every week snooping around and you know, I'm not going to accept that type of quality. Right. So I think that helps. I think being there and being active and, you know, getting to know what you're looking at at each stage so that you can catch problems or, or, you know, issues with quality before it happens, before it's done. Right. Which is key. I also found like, cause I had never done a reno before and we did our house. I found that I was really, I was really glad that I had done my own house and I understood yeah. the stages of what things look like when you're yep. panting inside and then you realize like, Oh no, that was normal. Like, <laughs> so totally. you, like that was a huge learning curve too. Totally. And it is. And, and, and then you can, you know what, you can actually sympathize with your clients on how they feel looking at it for the first time. And I, I always say this to my guys, I'm like, we are mom and dad. We have to be united front. We have to be confident. 
And um, they, they are craving that from us. If we're looking at this being like, oh, that's no, no big deal. Easy breezy. Yeah, we'll fix that. Or this is what it looks like at this stage. Don't worry. Oh, you're just in the gully. You're on the way out. You know, I feel like if we can add some light humor and, um, and kind of guide them through that process, it calms them. Right. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your process with like leads coming in. What does that look like for you? Like somebody contacts you, I assume either through Instagram, your website, email, or phone. I don't know any of the above. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't do have my do? phone number on anything. So I just find that that would be like overwhelming. <laughs> I'm they already overwhelmed. It, though, sometimes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, the worst is when you get caught off guard. I don't put my phone number even on my business card. And no. when you, and I rarely answer my phone, but sometimes I'll answer my phone going like, I think this is going to be somebody I need to talk to. And then all of a sudden it's, it's like a lead. It, it's very rare, but you're just, I need to be mentally ready yes. to have that conversation. So absolutely. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. So what no, do, I'm what do you do? what's your process like then when, when somebody, you know, reaches out to, for a project? Yeah. So a lot of it will come through my website. Um, so then I, you know, either myself or Shannon, another designer that works on my team will answer, um, the email. Uh, we try to ask as many questions as possible. Um, we're very upfront about budget. I just found for years, I'd be driving to like Toronto in the middle, like, you know, at 7 PM and that's, you know, an hour, 40 minutes to an hour drive for me, for me to go. And someone said, Oh, we want to get the main floor. I'd spend an hour with them. The contractor spent out and they're like, we have a budget of $30,000. And it's like, come on guys, like that's, you're not going to gut a main floor with a custom kitchen for 30 grand. Like, yeah. so I'm pretty upfront about, um, pre-qualifying for budget timeline. Um, I always ask if they have a contractor, if they want me to bring mine, cause that can make a difference in terms of pricing. Um, and time that it would take for me if I'm working with someone new versus bringing my team in. It's just a lot smoother process. Um, I try to redirect anything from Facebook or Instagram to the website because I find it again, overwhelming to keep up with DMS. Um, Worst. you know, you could have like 50 to 80 a day and some of them are just like, Oh, cool. Or like a smiley face. And some of them are like legit inquiries, but I'm like, I can't, I can't keep up with this over Instagram. Like just if, and so I just always write to them, like, could you please email me or message me through the website or whatever? Okay. So when you're pre-qualifying them, are you getting on a call with them after they email or are you doing this all over email? Typically over email, unless they were like, can we hop on a call? Um, I want to pre-qualify over email. I try to do it in the most delicate way as possible. But at the same time, if I don't know your budget, your timeline and your wants, we're wasting everybody's time. Like I, I found in the first couple of years, I was af afraid to approach that question. I found people didn't want to talk about budget and they still don't want to talk about budget, but it is what it is. Like, it doesn't mean that if you're going to say I have a budget of a hundred and the job actually costs 50, I'm going to spend a hundred. It just yeah. means like, what can we, like the scope will be determined by that budget. So let's be realistic about it, you know? And so when, okay, so you're, they basically tell you an unrealistic budget and then you'll just kind of gauge, okay, I know that if we're doing either whatever they're coming at you with, like, you know, decorating your master bedroom or gutting your main floor or doing the kitchen, you kind of have a ballpark range. Like you basically yeah. say something like, okay, to do that in my experience, it's normally X to X amount, or do you say yeah. it's starting from, and then you just wait and see what they say from there. And if that's realistic to them. Yeah, I'll typically give them a range or if they're saying like, hey, I have a budget of 100, I want to do my main floor and my stairs and my master bath and my laundry room. And I'll be like, you know what, that's a realistic budget for your main floor. You will not get your master bathroom or your lawn, whatever the case may be. Like I, I just try to set realistic expectations right off the hop so that that will weed some people out and not waste our time or their time. It's a waste of their time too if you're kind of leading them on that that's an acceptable um, that you can produce for that kind of budget. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and then after that, if, if everyone, if I feel like we're on the same page, then I would suggest to meet. So I would just say, I'll come to the house. Um, if they don't have a contractor, I'll bring one with me or I'll, or, or I'll go first without them. It depends on the scenario, but yeah, and I think a the meet, not a consultation. Yeah. They're different for me. So if someone is okay. like, I want a consultation where like, I want ideas, paint colors, whatever. That's a consultation. So you charge hourly for that. If it's like a renovation project where we're just kind of meeting each other and feeling each other out, I don't charge for that. I typically okay. don't. 
Yeah. And so basic, it's like collecting scope too, so that you can see what you're dealing with. And then is the output of that a proposal based on the scope of what they're looking for? Yep. Yep. So I'll talk to them about scope. Um, I kind of, I usually will bring one of my girls with me. They will take pictures and notes and um, we don't typically measure at that point. And then I'll put together uh, a budget based on what they've told me, usually room by room. Um, And unless it's like a whole house and then I would have like an overall and then room by room. And yeah, then I'll submit a proposal to them. And your bud- and for a renovation, you would include construction budget in that or is it just for your services? Um, so if it's a big construction project, I would come in with my contractor and we would submit two budgets. So I would be design and they would be construction. Um, in terms of cabinetry, I can pretty much ballpark it out at this point. I don't need to bring the millwork guy to price everything until we have plans. So whatever, if it's a kitchen, I'll be like, okay, 26, 20 let's say 32 K counters and, and cabinets. And then, you know, I'll just budget it out like that. And I'll just put a little disclaimer in to say like, you know, the prices could go up or down based on your final selections and your final design kind of thing, but it's a pretty realistic budget. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And then, um, if it was their contractor that they were working with and you're coming in, would you ask them to get their contractor there for that need? Or would you just say, I'll give you a, a budget based on my services, but your contractor will need to give you a budget based on, whatever they're doing. Yeah. If it's just an initial meet, I, I, I don't think they would need to be there for that. I've never really like requested that. Um, the only thing I would say is like every contractor works differently and it's, some are very inclusive and some are not. Um, so I would just say to that client, if they wanted to bring their own in, like there could be some overlap or there could be some missing. Like I have some contractors that don't include anything in terms of sink, taps, backsplash, um, price of the actual tile, the only price install, they won't price lighting. And I have some that will give me a budget for everything. They'll put in tile, $6 a square foot, whatever it is. Um, so they, I just warn them about that, right? Yeah, because it's not apples to apples and yeah, surprises later. Um, okay. And earlier you said, so the meet and greet, do you try to just get in on that like within the next week? Like, or not the meet and greet, whatever you call it, the meet after you're like, okay, we're going to move forward. Um, you, you're basically like within the week trying to get in the house to get the process rolling and get that proposal to them. Yeah. It just kind of depends on the, like how crazy the schedule is. Um, so yeah, I, I would try to schedule it within like a week or two. And then after that, we typically would need like two, I would always say two weeks to get a quote together. Um, I I, like, so it's not, it's not immediate. Um, I can often do it quicker than that, but I just give myself that lead time and set that expectation in case like, you know, I have, I have like a virtual assistant that does like I enter all the information for the quotes and she makes it into like a pretty presentation. It's like, if I send it to her, she may need three or four days and it may take me three or four days before I can get to it. So I just try to give myself a bit of a buffer there. Okay. And I think what you said, just so I remember correctly, you're going to send a a quote that's really just reflective of you and your services, but your contractor and you send the two together, but it's a separate quote for the construction, your the design. Yeah. And decor, I assume, if you're doing decor well. Do you normally, like, if a client says, yeah, I want to do construction and furnishing and styling, do you just, do you normally go all in and give them a full quote or do you say, like, let's stage it? Uh, Yeah, no, I, and I've had a couple other designers ask me that. They're like, how do you get to finish it to that level every time? I'm like, I typically don't give them a choice. Like, I'm like, here's the price. I don't feel like I make a ton of money on styling um, that like, so I call it install day, right? So, um, the install day, I charge out separately hourly for each of us that are there, including the install guy, including my girls, including me, we're all the same rate. So I drop my rate for install day. It's not a moneymaker. I just cover my costs, but at the same time, it's like, that's what makes them cry. That's what makes them like tell all your, their friends about you. That would, what allows them to want me to come in and photograph it and submit that to magazines. And so it's like a win, win, win. Like I I would call it a loss leader. It's not a moneymaker for me. It's just something I do. And it's, it makes the overall experience for everyone lovely. Right. Um, I I like that. And actually, and do you, um, you said you bill hourly for that, um, like closer to the day of, or you bring those potential costs up up front though. You let them know. No. So install is always separate. I found that in, in the beginning, when I first started my business, I included install and I would get to like some jobs and they would have everything unpacked and like it put in place. And then I'd get to some and it was like, we'd have three hours on, of unpacking unpa- boxes, you know what I mean? And, and sorting what goes where. So it's just, and also like 
even furniture you order. Well, the higher end you go, you know, you get more of a white glove delivery system. Well, if you're ordering from Structube, it could take three hours to put together a nightstand. You know what I mean? Like you just don't know what. And are you doing sometimes. that or you have a guy that does that on site? Uh, we all day. do. The girls and I are on the ground assembling furniture. I, have a gu- I usually have one to two guys with me that also do it. But, you know, if they're hanging drapes and Shannon can put together a nightstand, then, you know, I always say, I'm like, no one has an ego on install day. Everyone yep. is making the same amount. We're all on our hands and knees. Everyone's in it together. <laughs> it's an intense day, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Those days kill me. They damn near It's a workout. Me. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do like a whole house in a day, do you? Um, it would depend on the pro. It would depend on the project. Uh, we can definitely get through like a whole main floor. Um, if it was a whole house, it would depend. I would. I would need. I mean, I guess no, there's also multiple not. of you there as well. Like you got how many girls? You and how many? Shannon. Two. By the way, shout out to Shannon. Hey, Shannon. <laughs> you, Shannon, and somebody else, or two more. And Adrian. Yeah. So there's three of us girls, and then. So the deal that I have with my contracts, and I feel like this is kind of the key to success as well. Every time I bring a new guy on, I'm like, you want the gravy jobs that are five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand $800,000? I'm like, that's lovely. I'll give you those jobs. But I was like, guess what? I want your best carpenter that you probably charge out at 80 bucks an hour. I'm gonna tr- you're going to charge me 40. I'm going to charge him out at 60. And I want him every single time. I don't want to train multiple guys. I want the same guy there that knows I want drapes half an inch off the ground and can do with his eyes closed. And that can like essentially be there to fix or MacGyver anything that might go wrong. Like I need a, a brilliant construction mind yep. to do what you're deeming a menial job. You know what I yep. mean? That's so smart. I love that. I've never heard that one before. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. If, I think a lot of people don't do that. And I, I just make I'm just very upfront about it. I'm like, this is part of this is part of it. Because I've had other designers message me. And they're like, well, how do you how do you get these guys to do the installs? I'm like, I don't even give them the choice. <laughs> like they're just they're doing Those it. First Otherwise, you won't get the next what do you mean, job. How do you get them? You just they do it because I told them to they want yeah. to work. With you. This is part of the deal. I like yeah. that. I like that. Um, okay, I'm just trying to there was a question that I had. Oh, timeline. So what is your, how many projects do you ideally like to be juggling at once? Oh, I mean, typically our board ranges from like 10 to 15 jobs. Wow. Um, those could be in like any different stage though. You know, like some were just waiting on a final styling. Some are in the planning phases. Some are mid-construction. Some are just a decor job. So um, it sounds like a lot, but it's it's manageable Um because like I say, they're all in different stages. So they, you know, once we're done our design portion, it's really just site checks. And, you know, of course there's still communication with the client and the contractor and checking in on deliveries and things like that. But it's, it's like the bulk of our work is mostly done. Mm-hmm. So, and so no matter what you do one site check per project a week, no matter what, and it's billed to the client. Actually, so let's just, go back to that. Do you bill flat fee or hourly? Yeah. Yeah, I build I build like a, a one flat fee for the job. I collect I used to collect fifty percent up front and fifty percent uh, at the time of ordering. Except I just got screwed from a client doing that um, at the time of ordering. They're like, "Oh, we don't need you anymore," and I'm like, "Okay, that." But I've done the work. Like that's not actually how it works. Yeah. So now and I actually seventy percent of it was done before ordering normally. So that's so so exactly. So now I charge seventy five percent up front. And twenty five percent when the design is agreed upon and they're allowed and they're ready to order. And that twenty five percent includes site visits or site. Yep. Yeah. Yes. So the site visits, like maybe I don't go every single week. I I typically have a day where we're touring around, and because we do a lot of work in the same area, it's like we'll just hit them all the same day. Um, you know, if it's, if a site's in drywall for two weeks, I don't need to go and see them put drywall up every week. Right. It's like, okay, I'll see you in two weeks. You know. Yeah. Um, I do provide like a site spec binder room by room of everything that's going in and the diagrams and all of that. But I find like my guys I've been working with forever, for example, Reed, he's still like, just pop by and show me where the lighting goes. I'm like, well, just check this this spec binder. And he's like, no, no, I need you here. Like they, they prefer to have you there. Everyone, everyone's eyes on it. And I do think it kind of catches. Yeah you know, any potential mistake. So I don't mind. And, and, yeah. and at the end of the day, we're all really good friends too. So it's like, you don't mind popping in, chatting with your friend for 15 minutes. You walk around, you take an eye and, you know, move on with your day. Right. And um, so the, and then you said basically when it comes to the installation day or days or however, 
Um, that's billed hourly. And is it, um, like your shopping time is included in that? Any returns that you might do after? Like, what is, what is that? No. So I guess I would like, so to me, I can, I can just do it very quickly and efficiently. Like I can, I can get styling stuff for an entire house in HomeSense in 45 minutes. And then maybe I hit one or two other stores that locally. That's amazing. I'm like, a, I'm like a machine gun. I'm like, here it is, here it is. Get a cart, get a cart. <laughs> so I can do it very quickly. So for me, again, like I would just include a couple hours in my initial price. Um, I set it all up for them. And then I say, you know what, live with it for a couple of days, whatever you don't want or need, just put it in a bag. Um, typically I would try to set up the photo shoot then too. So I would say, yeah. okay, leave it styled for the photo shoot. When I come for the photo shoot, I'll take back any of the returns. And then it's like, you know, half an hour to return the stuff. It's not a huge deal. Okay. And so when, when it comes to timeline, like, you know, if let's say you're at your capacity, like most of the time when somebody, you go do the meet and then you send the proposal two weeks later-ish, let's say like, you know, yeah. sometime within two weeks, they're like, yeah, cool. I'm ready to go. Are you like, yeah, we're going to start right away. Or is it normally like, okay, our work, here's the proposal, but based on our current workload, we can't start for two, three weeks. Like what does that start date normally look like in relation to current workload for you? Yeah. So I would say like the girls and I are usually able to start fairly quickly. Um, we can always kind of squeeze that in because our time is, our timeline is, is quicker than the contractors. So it's, it's typically dependent on their schedule. And that's why I need multiple. Cause it, like I say, if one's on a job for six months, I'm not going to turn down work for the next six months. Cause he can't take it on. Oh, so yeah, yeah. there would be like a design, um, I would say within, you know, a week or, or two, I could provide the design, the first draft of the design. I usually will tell the client to give us, you know, two to three weeks for some back and forth revisions, whatever. Um, and then, and then they'd have to schedule it in with the contractor. So sometimes there would be like a lull between that time, um, depending right. on scheduling with their, yeah. Cause they okay. would typically book like two seasons out kind of thing. Right. Okay. So, so basically it's, uh, proposal has been accepted, contract like assigned, first yep. payment paid. Now we're yep. kicking the project off. You're getting yep. your measurements. Um, <clears throat> then, then like two weeks ish from there, you're doing like initial designs. You're presenting yeah, initial um, designs. Yeah, I would. So I'd have to do a measure. Yeah, I'd have to book a day for the measure, and then I would say within two, one to two weeks, I'm able to get them the first draft. And um, what is included in the first draft? Cause that's also, you're, you're fast. I think you think you're good and efficient and I'm in awe of this right now. And I'm like, Oh, I'm doing that. Okay. You know what? We're, we're, we've gotten pretty quick and like, it's, it is again through like trial and error of like that slowed us down last time or that didn't work. And so during this time of Corona, I was like, guys, let's take this time to like even tighten up our processes even more, like call every supplier, get, find new suppliers, set up these accounts, put it all on the drive so everyone can access it. It's quick and easy. Like you spend so much time looking through emails for things. It's like we've, we've streamlined that process. So everything's on the drive. All three of us can access it at any time. Um, so yeah, about a week, about a week, week to two weeks to get the first draft. And then once they come back to us, you, there's usually some revisions or they just want some more options for a few of the items. Um, we can usually get that back out within a week. So it just depends on how decisive the client is really. And so, um, so first draft being like floor plans, it could be kitchen design, uh, yep. finishes selected, all of the finishes selected and furniture. Yep. So we would put together like a virtual, like a, like an email presentation and the presentation includes, um, vision boards. So it's like kind of all the items on one board and then, um, a, like kind of a spreadsheet with links to the items, pricing and lead time, um, floor plans and, and any millwork drawings that are needed as well. Okay. My question to you is if you think back to like your first year, did you find, cause sometimes I feel like my problem is like, I doubt myself or I'm like looking for, there might be a better piece a better this, a better that. Mm -hmm. Do you mm -hmm. like, is part of your efficiency just knowing like to shut that down and, or you just yeah. become good at trusting yourself and going like, okay, this is, yeah, it. you can't. And I say that to the girls and that's why I still do like 95% of the sourcing. Cause they're like, how are you so quick? I'm like, I don't question it. I get like a spitfire. I can get a whole house done in probably four or five hours, like a, a, a whole three to 4,000 square foot house. 
then it'll probably take another two to three days to fill in the gaps. Do you know what I mean? Like to find that perfect hook. If I get stuck on it, I move past it. It's like finish 90% of the room, get your ideas out on paper and then fill in the gaps. Right. And Kate, like just for the record, when you say a whole house, you mean like it could be a renovation and furnishing and you can do that in four hours and then you fill in the gaps. That's amazing. (laughs) But sometimes filling in the gaps takes days. Like it's not. Okay. I know because those are real, like I do that so often. I think that's a really good tip is to just like, okay, this didn't happen. Like set yourself like a time and go like, it didn't happen. Move on, go back. Yeah move on because it might yep. click later anyway. Right. I really like that. Um, okay. Okay. When it comes to sourcing, where do you typically like to source? Let's start with finishes. Do you have like your key vendors that you do a lot of your sourcing from? So you kind of know the product and that helps, or do you, you know, yeah. go to different tile places all the time? Do you have your own home inventory of like samples? We have some inventory at home. We have a lot of fabrics. We have a fair bit of tile but typically I mean everything's online so I would say like 90, when I'm doing that spitfire initial design I'm doing everything online then once we go back and tweak it we might be like maybe one of the girls will say oh you know what I like that tile but I saw one at Sirkan the other day and it's actually a little bit cooler like it's this one I'm like okay so we do have our like tried and true places we go um you know, maybe four different tile stores, maybe three different fabric stores. Um, in terms of the furniture, again, it'll be dependent on budget on where I'm sourcing from. But if it's like a mid-grade budget, you know, we're sourcing a lot from Sunpan, CB2, Urban Barn, um, sometimes even like Crate and Barrel. We have a local store called Niche Decor. where We, we yep. source a ton from them. We know all of their lines they carry. So we can just go directly to those lines website. Um, so, and same with lighting, we have two or three that, that we kind of typically look yeah. to first. And again, like I think laying the groundwork with the client of like understanding their tastes and their wants and their needs, it already helps to narrow that down. You know, like if I have, if I know that they have a modern set, it's like, I'll go to Cusco lighting right away. If mm-hmm. I know they want more like, sh- not shabby chic, but a little bit more like modern farmhouse, it's like, I'm not going to Cusco because they have okay. like slick. LED lighting. You know what I mean? So you already know how to kind of narrow that down based on doing it so many times. And so, okay. So you're, let's talk about that. What, what point are you getting to know the client's wants? Is it in the meet and then also in the initial kickoff or do you have additional stuff that you do together to get to know them better? Yeah, it's in the initial meet. I feel like I ask a lot of questions. Um, and then typically there would be a second time that I would go back like with my contractor or whatever. Um, and then sometimes even a uh, well, typically, yeah, there's two meets. Um, I do often ask them, I'm like, if you can send me any um, pictures or photos, whatever, from online or my website or wherever, and that's always helpful. They're like, here's a picture and here's what I like about it. Not just, don't just send me a picture because that could, I could interpret that a hundred different ways. But what do you like about this? Um, that helps narrow it down. But yeah, it's asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. And um, okay, so you send the, you said an email presentation, right? And then do you yeah. meet with them later with like physical samples of yeah. like the fabrics and the this and the that and all the furnishings to, not the furnishings obviously, but you know, something, yeah. like a, something that you can really show them how it all comes together, but you want to get their initial feedback and then tweak, tweak, tweak. And yeah, then- you got it. Because it takes so much time to gather up all those samples, especially if you're doing a full house. And, and we usually do a tray, like a lucite tray, room by room of all the, the um, samples. And plus, sometimes you have to like drive and get them or pay for them yeah. or have them mailed in. Or, so it's very time consuming. So we don't do that until all of, the present, or all of the designs agreed upon. And then once we're like, hey, we're on the same page, this is the design, let us get a physical presentation ready for you. And then we have another meeting that typically would last, you know, an hour to two hours where we go through all of the um, finishes. We, we usually get some backups as well, because if someone's like, Ooh, that's not what I thought it was. I don't want to have another two hour meeting with you. I want to be like, well, what about these two? You know? Mm-hmm. So I we really try to get them to touch and feel and commit during that meeting so that we are then ready to order. Okay. And do you, do you just send a finishes schedule to your contractor who then places those orders or do you take care of ordering tile and things like that? We order all the, the supplies. Yeah. Oh, do you? Okay. And how do you guys, okay, let's talk about furniture ordering. Do you guys, how do you order? Do you use a receiver or do you just everything ship directly to the client immediately or how do you typically manage? Yeah. So that's where like, we really want to, like our goal is to have our office where we can have a storage facility that we can order to ourselves and take an inventory of it because right now we are ordering to site. 
And, um, you know, if you're having a bigger furniture order with longer lead times, you can control when it gets delivered a little bit more, but certain things like Wayfair, it's like, it just shows up whenever it shows up. Like it just, you know, and so the contractors can get a little bit annoyed when they're like in the middle of construction and a rug shows up on the front porch and they're like, where are we putting this? We don't even have floors. And you're like, well, I had to order it because it's tying together the whole scheme. You know, I'm sorry. But um, it's Wayfair and if I wait, it might not exist anymore. (laughs) It could be gone. So it's a balance. Like I say, that's somewhere we could be a lot more efficient. Um, We have not used any, like I know some designers will essentially um, send it to like a warehouse and then that warehouse takes inventory and then we'll do one delivery in the end. Um, That's what I do. Yeah. Is it expensive? I felt like... So there's varying tiers. Like I work with a company called A-Team and they're very, very reasonably priced. Um, And like my experience has been like, I also don't, haven't done like a whole home, but I normally do like three rooms at a time, but I try to be strategic in how I order to, to some degree, but I also don't, totally. I want to order everything at once because I don't want to deal with back orders. And also it's just like getting it all done at once means it's getting all done. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. normally I pay like a hundred to $200 for, um, for them to warehouse the stuff. And then for them, they are going to, they bring everything in and they're the ones who assemble everything. Oh, wow. They don't necessarily do like Structube or Ikea type stuff, um, but they, but I I don't generally like order that. I just don't deal with that stuff for the most part um, anyway, but, um, but it's amazing. Like it's very, it's, it's reasonably priced, but the way I do it is when I send, I, I lay the groundwork during the consultation about that. I say, and I will not, after doing a whole home, not like that, it was a nightmare. It was horrific because clients don't check packages. Um, things are showing up and they start doubting it because it's not done and it looks yeah. small and it was just a nightmare. So I'm just kind of like, I don't work any other way. And then I just yeah. roll it in when I send over, like for the initial payment for purchasing, I add in. 10 to 15%, which covers shipping, uh, warehousing and delivery. And often it's okay. And it's fine. It's honestly, I was like, nobody's going to pay for that, but I explain why it's, and it's, it's, and it's probably such a smoother process for them too. So they have a better feeling overall. That's one area I think we really lack, like half the stuff showing up at my house, at their house. Like, and my, my husband comes home, he's like, why are there boxes to the ceiling in our garage i'm like oh yeah i had to just set, ship it to us i just had to get you know it's, it it's just not it happens to me too sometimes still yeah. like they're like oh it's just a little light i'll just yeah take it it's here. fine just step yeah. over it it's fine yeah um so yeah that's i'm glad you said that. that's one area i think we can be a lot more efficient and like you say sometimes stuff shows up maybe it's sitting there for three months and it's damaged and you don't know so your relationship with your suppliers are key because they you know, typically for us, we'll say, okay, listen for you. I'll take it back. I understand. But they're like, try to check it next time. <laughs> I know, know it's really hard. Like I'm probably going to go to my warehouse next week to go open boxes. Like yeah. I, there's some places that are a little bit, um, like, I don't feel like the one that I'm using, I think they're fairly affordable. So they're probably not going to open. But the thing is, if somebody who isn't used to opening packages, now you're running the risk of them damaging it and not it having big damage, right? So, but there's other ones that are more like upper level where they actually do that. And that's like part of the service and they'll even like assemble it there and then they like wrap it in blanket and then they deliver to go or whatever. But, um, but it is scary because like you order a bunch of lights because you want to be ready. I just did it before the whole Corona thing happened but they're not yeah. now going to be installed for a while. I need to know that they're going to deal with, like if they're not being installed for three months, if they weren't right or damaged in the box, like that's going to yeah. help you probably. So yeah. Oh, for sure. It's something we deal with that's all the time. It stresses me out so much. It, it, you know, and, and that's why I call it install day anxiety. Like you get to install day and you have all this anxiety because you're like, what's going to go wrong? Is, is something going to be damaged? Is something not going to go right? If, did I order it at this length and should have been an inch long? You know, so I call it install day anxiety. I've heard yeah. it under other designers better. They're like, yep, we feel it too. And, yeah. you know, it's all going to be okay in the end. You just have to roll with the punches and, you know, shit happens and yeah. you do your best. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And that's also when I realized like, it, like installation day anxiety was why I was like, I am no longer sharing my discount because that discount has to cover me for when things go wrong. Like I need to not be out of pocket. Like I want to make it right for my client, especially like, you know, if the, whatever happens, like it's, 
it's not their fault. They probably would have said, just ship it to me right away. And I probably pushed them not to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't extend my, my discount for retail and I will share trade a little bit. It just, I, I play by ear based on the client, whether or not, um, I've already lost money on the project or, yeah. you know, it's been a big project and I want to give them a break. And I just, I don't yep. tell them that they're going to get anything specifically. Um, do you share your trade discount? How do you approach that? Um, so yes, in stores of like, you know, I find it tricky in stores of like Urban Barn or CB2 where it's like you get a weird discount. You get like 15%. It's like, what am I going to like? So typically I would try to split it in most cases. Like at LT, if you get 20, I'm sharing 10. Um, you know, if I, and I always, and I, I, people kind of grill me about that. And I kind of say, listen, I, I share the initial designer discount. If I have put through millions of dollars through that store where I get a bigger discount, I keep that I've earned it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, and I don't share any discounts for anything custom because I found the same thing. I'm like, I am ending up paying for you to have custom drapes. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, but I, we are trying to work towards like getting away from that and getting away because you're right. And it, and again, it depends on the client. If the client's been lovely and communicates through email and, you know, is respectful of you, it's like, I don't mind passing you that discount. But if you've been a nightmare and you text me every three seconds of the day and everything's a problem for you and you are like, I, I need to cover that time. Yeah. I need to cover the, you're a nightmare time. You know what I mean? And it's, <laughs> and then, and it's like, the discount does that. And truth be told, like I try to call it more like a commission. Like those are, those are not for the client. That's actually to help client like designers be profitable. Like, yeah. And, and yeah, I need to be better with liable, that. like our business. We're so, have so many liabilities, right? Yeah. Um, also the other thing with retail is that it is way freaking harder for me to order retail than it yeah. is for me to order trade because I don't have a rep at urban barn. That's super easy. And like, I can send a PO through my system. I have to pick up the phone call. I can't even yeah. pay urban burn with a credit card over the phone. You have to go. No, urban burn's a nightmare. Yeah. So They're a nightmare. it's, so I'm like, I'm not going to give you the discount for that. So I, I actually just changed it and I have language and it was funny because I was working with a potentially working with a virtual client and she emailed me asking like, do you share discount? I'm like, well, first of all, you're a virtual client. I mean, I said this nicely, but I'm not ordering for you. And yeah. I'm, so no. <laughs> and, and, and no, I don't share my retail discount because that is how I, you know, it's, it's a lot more work to order or to, to yeah. order that. Um, and then I, so what I started saying, this helped make it easy for me. I crunched the numbers on like, okay, if I have a minimum, like $10,000 of like furnishing or whatever, I have to, I'm probably going to at least get 10% of a discount. If I made mm -hmm. 10%, um, will that cover my time to order $10,000? Right. Yeah. Most cases I'm going to get more than 10%. So what I've started, and, and it's going to be way more than whatever hours it would probably take me to just do the ordering and tracking of that. So what I've started saying is that I don't extend my trade discount, but that anything over $10,000, I don't extend my, tra my trade discount, but that covers the time for me to order, manage, do POs. So, you know, if I'm making yeah. like two grand plus, it's maybe only going to take me three hours to take care of that. So I, it's a benefit to them. They're getting retail priced furniture for the same price, plus me ordering and managing it for them. And yeah. if it's less than that though, it's not going to cover my time. And I say you're billed hourly, but I don't, I don't extend my trade discount. And then I, I just say like, but if I'm ordering trade only, you will potentially get like up to 10%, I say. And it maybe encourages them to want to go trade only, which is much more profitable for me anyway. Sure. So, so you are not, you are not charging like an upfront fee. You're, you're hourly typically. So the way I have been doing it is I've, I estimate my hours based on the project. So yep. I'll say like, like 40 to 60. And I have a spreadsheet. I like plot, like I have a spreadsheet that I use to like input stuff into and I'm going to be turning it into I'm going to be testing out like uh, square footage rates as well but then what I do is I do time blocks so I say like okay I'm, esti I'm estimating you know 40 to 60 hours 40 hours is due up front um, upon starting and then you know when I get kind of near like 10 hours left or whatever like I'm gonna I'll let you know where we're at but so it's hourly but I collect it up front like in a lump sum yeah. and then you kind of have to because otherwise you're giving them everything and they'd be like, thank you very much. See you later. Which is 100%. And that's the thing I do is I make sure that whatever I am estimating, I know that I, that first lump sum is going to, because that's the biggest part 
is going to yeah. cover at least to design in case they abort mission at that time, which sometimes yeah. happens, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's worked really well because I don't want to keep invoicing you a bunch of times. I get mentally no. struggle with like, I don't want to send this invoice and I'm better yeah. at not like, Oh, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to curve out that. I know. And do those three hours. Like if I had to send yeah. an invoice every two weeks, I'd start doing that. Yeah. Um, so it works well for me right now, but like for a Good. kitchen, if I do just a kitchen. I I'm more apt to maybe excuse me. Totally just burped, but that happens. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Um, I would be more apt to do like a flat fee, knowing that like I I know the hours. I mean, I haven't done that many kitchens, but I feel like I know it well enough to know like I could do a flat fee in that case. But you know, are you good? We can we can totally wrap up. We're My daughter up. coming in. <laughs> <laughs> even though I told them I'm going to need you to not come in. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Um, but yeah, so that's how I've been doing it. And it's, and it's pretty much like been working fairly well so far. And I feel like I've, I mean, when I first started, no, it was not good. I was, yeah. I was doing flat fees at a rate in yeah. my mind of like, I did the same thing, $58 an hour. And um, I was grossly underestimating. I've lost so much Always. first year, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like screw myself anymore. So I just, until I feel like every single time I estimate hours for a client, I get it right. I'm not going to do a flat fee. I'm just going to give them an estimate on hours, cover my ass. And you know, and you don't find there's any pushback with that, that people are like, well, how do I know what it's going to cost? And you know, like I, I I think that estimation of hours is helpful because I am giving you an idea of what you can expect it to cost, but it's in a range. Like at minimum, it's going to be probably 40 hours, but it could, it depends on how indecisive, how difficult it is to pull it together. But that's why I do the estimate of hours upfront because I do, I personally can't wrap my head around like, Oh, it's hourly. And this is my hourly rate. And yeah. So, cause I feel like I, as a consumer, I'd say like, well, is it a 20 hours that we're probably going to Okay. Be? So you're like, I'm going to bill hourly. It's probably going to be around 40 to 50 hours and whatever. And this okay. is the scope. So I outline the scope and then I, and it's pretty much close every time. Um, and then I like, yeah. And I collect it in a time block that I work against. So I pretty much always do time blocks and I work against time blocks as opposed to like billing uh, like every two weeks, like a billable. Right. Yeah, I don't want to be invoicing too. Plus, I find that people start to fight you on things. Oh, did you? So that's why I it's do an this inter- yeah, It's an effort. interesting thing because I work with, I'm working with like a new build company in Picton, and their kitchen designer that I'm working with bills hourly. And I think she does do that. And there's like a psychology that I noticed, which was um, she was like, Well, I don't want her to bill me hourly, bill me for that. And I'm like, Am I, I'm going like, well, I'm billing her too. It's just, she's paid it right. front and I'm working. It's right. the same thing, but there's like a psychology happening there that seems. You know what? It's the same, like it's the same with the, um, with the contractors. They all work so differently, right? Like some charge a management fee on everything. Some ch- just disperse it into line. And it's like, everyone's getting paid. Everyone's yeah. making probably in around the same. They're just presenting it differently. Right. And it's like, whatever works mentally best for you. So yeah. okay, tell everybody where they can follow you. Thank you so much for doing this, by the way. Oh, thank you for having me. So where can everybody follow you and go check out more of your work and stuff? Uh, so Instagram is probably the best spot. Michelle Berwick design with an underscore. Um, everything's kind of on there. I post daily. I post stories every day, um, updates of jobs kind of in real time. And then from there, you can kind of click on the link in my profile, which will take you to my website, which will show you like kind of, um, past projects. Um, so that's usually the best way. I love it. Well, I'm going to go have some more wine. Me too. <laughs> it's Friday night. <laughs> exactly. It's happy it's so nice to chat with you. Bye, have a great weekend. Bye. You too. I've been wanting to talk to Michelle for a while and we just haven't been able to make it happen. So, you know, looking at the bright side of things again, it's this pandemic is making it a lot easier for me to connect with some designers. And now I'm really trying to think about who I can follow up with and try to make it happen. I don't know. Studio McGee, Amber Interiors. I know she's got a lot going on right now, but uh, I don't know. Maybe these people got some time that needs filling. Granted, they all have kids, and I know that's not easy. But anyways, thank you so much, Michelle. That was so awesome. It's it's very inspiring. Her, her story is very inspiring to me. I think she said she's been doing this six years, 
and she's killing it. She is killing it. And I, I, she works quickly. So I don't know if I'm ever going to be a quick worker. It's just not never been me in any facet of creativity, but holy crap. It's really amazing. Um, all right, guys, I'm going to read another review because I have been talking about reading reviews for a while and I think I forgot to last week. So I'm going to try to hunt down another one. The problem is I feel like I forget what, um, forget what ones I've read, which is a problem. So I'm going to try to do a better job now of actually keeping track of what I've actually read. But uh, I have another idea. Um, you know how we were doing Real Talk Rant? Well, I know that can be a little bit hard for people to um, submit. Uh, so I thought, what if you use the review section in the podcast as a way to submit a Real Talk Rant or anything? Maybe you want to submit something awesome that's happening or I don't know, something that's not a review. Just post something about your business that you feel like getting off your chest and I will read that out loud. So it's two birds, one stone. I get a review plus I get to read it on the podcast, which will be fun for you to listen to. So that's kind of an idea I stole from a Bachelor Recap podcast, so can't take credit for that. Here is a review from Sarah of Next Level Design. Thank you, Michelle. I love your podcast. It is so entertaining and informative at the same time. Now, I love being stuck in traffic just because I can listen to you. Thank you for your amazing designer. Thank you for inviting amazing designers and asking all the right questions. Thank you so much, Sarah. I feel like I already said that one. Okay, here's a review I'm pretty sure I didn't read. Beyond Insightful, and this is from Sarah Billicky. Sorry if I butchered that. Such a great podcast digs deep into a variety of design and business topics. I've learned so much in how to deal with those tricky situations. Michelle's got a super cool vibe and I love her personality. Thank you, Sarah. I don't know. Did I read that one before? Guys, I'm going to be better. Um, so yeah, please do me a favor and leave a review. Like I said, if you left a review that was a real talk rant, whether it be, you know, how people, virtual clients are driving you crazy right now, or whether it's how you're really taking advantage of this time to get some stuff done, whatever it is, I would like to read your real talk rant that you've posted in the reviews. What do you think? Let's do it. If you want to follow along further in the journey, you can go to Real Talk Design in the face in Facebook. It's a group. You've got to answer the questions. Please follow us on Instagram at Real Talk Design Podcast. And if you're feeling extra ambitious, you can go also follow michellebennett.design. And that's all I got for now, guys. I will talk to you next week. Wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs>